Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Baron Wing the Blue Shirts. I'm Tom Merch Jr. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Mike Murphy. And this week, uh, we finally have Adam on the podcast. Uh, it's long overdue to talk about the prospect rankings, world juniors, uh, and we'll also get into some uh, pre uh, stuff ahead of the season that's starting on Thursday. Uh, so, how's it going today, guys? I feel like that's a dangerous question now more than ever, you know, but uh, it's all right. Could be worse, right? I think, I hope. Yeah, hanging um, in there. Or I don't hope actually, but yeah, anyway, point being, things are going great. And how about you, Mikey? Yeah, hanging in there. Um, there's been a couple of things in the news lately that, uh, <laughs> how do we say, have shattered uh, any sort of comfort I've had in life, but yeah. Those are things outside of our control. We try not to let those hold too much influence over them. We only know we can control how we feel about things that are beyond our control, how we react to them. And I'm choosing to react by trying to take care of myself. And I encourage everyone who's listening to do the same because it's easy to feel pretty helpless right now. And uh, yeah, just make sure you take care of yourself. Drink water, get rest, do all those things that seem so basic, but it adds up, makes you feel better. So take care of yourselves, yeah. and hopefully we can have some hockey to look forward to. But, you know, COVID's also going on. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure there'll be some postponements and uh, fuckery of some kind. But, yeah, that's uh, this is kind of the hand we're dealt for hockey this year, right, guys? Yeah, see, I'm also upset that Booney Evis signed with Tampa Bay. So I understand, like... I, I was legitimately bummed by that. I was like, oh, boom! <laughs> It really is something that does deserve investigation at some point because, like, we make the joke about Rangers South, but, like, outside of the trades that they've made, like, this is Boo Nevis. They also, what was it, Sean Day as well. But so this is just oh, yeah. more than um, just coincidence. Like, are they seeing things the Rangers aren't? Who's to say? Maybe. Yeah, but probably. Tom, think of all the good stuff we got back from Tampa. Oh, like, boy. All right. <laughs> well, 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 no. So, actually. Let's go down the list. There, one, one good thing, which I'm kind of confident that Adam will mention at some point. Um, sure. So, so yeah. Uh, prospect rankings. Uh, it's something that was, I would say, a little different for you this year because everything being delayed with COVID. <laughs> well, and... I, would say, I would say it was a lot of different. A little different, yeah. A little, yeah. Uh, a little wrench in the plans, right, Adam? Where <laughs> it's <Yes>. fucking <laughs> January. <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Oh. Also, I appreciate the irony of, like, the season starts in, like, 18 minutes. And it's like, all right, well, now we're going to do the prospect ranking uh, podcast. That That's the time for that. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's whatever. the way timing has worked out. In case you didn't know, uh, democracy as we knew it. Uh, yeah. It was, there, things there are There are quite literally no rules anymore. So whatever. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's um the timing is what it is. But I think the, given the makeup of the roster, um, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, it's it's worth looking at where the players fell where they did and those who are playing overseas and all of that fun stuff. But at a base level, I would say, because we're going to ask you a couple of questions, going into this process, would you say 
the fact of everything with COVID and how seasons were delayed, seasons were shortened, um, you know, seasons just interrupted in general. Did that have much of an impact on how you viewed certain players or ranked them? Because you might have a player that, you know, for example, let's just say Kraftsov, he's still playing in the KHL, but then you had guys who are in the OHL or WHL that their seasons haven't started, so their their growth could be stunted. So, long story short, cutting the preambling, um, what kind of role did COVID have in how you ranked players? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't think anyone that, like, you know, would have been fifth on the list, you know, fell to 20th or anything like that, or vice versa because of it. But yeah, there were between the margins, there were some changes. Um, you know, uh, Kravtsov, probably, he would have ended up where he was regardless. I had him fourth, I believe. But it became a much harder discussion than it would have been in June. Um, simply because last season was just, you know, about as close to being a train wreck as it could have been without you know, something truly just like horrible um, with the way that just, you know, he struggled and he didn't make the team out of camp. He struggled in Hartford. He struggled in the KHL. Um, so yeah, he definitely saved his stock. Maybe not in my rankings per se, but at least in the outlook long-term, um, he definitely saved his stock. Um, you know, and then there, there's, you know, a few other players, um, where it's the same kind of deal, but yeah, it, it was, it was tough, um, you know, in certain moments to kind of weigh, um, you know, guys that haven't been playing in, you know, at this point, it's almost a year now that, you know, when I did the rankings, you know, you're looking at, but, um, you know, eight or so months. So, um, you know, I've talked to a few scouts, um, around the league and it, they're kind of in the same boat, you know, like, which was a bit reassuring in a way to realize that like, Hey, like even, you know, these guys who are paid professionally, you know, um, are also kind of feeling a bit unsure and, uh, feel a bit stuck trying to guess, you know, it's hard enough guessing, you know, you can watch an 18 year old or a 19 year old, you know, play 30 games and you're still, you know, not going to be a hundred percent sure what that player might be in, in five years. Um, you know, to, for, so for some guys to not see, you know, them hit the ice much at all um, for long periods of time, it's it's a dilemma that a lot of teams are trying to figure out, you know, what to make of. Um, so definitely a weird year for prospect analysis. So when you compile your list, obviously, you know, Lafreniere is going to end up at number one, and that that's no shock. Yeah, you have a sense of guys who are going to be towards you know the back of the pack. Was there one player who, whether it's they're new to the rankings or they slid up or down, that was most surprising to you? Like, wow, this player was a lot better than I thought, or wow, this player underwhelmed a lot more than I thought. Uh, you mean you mean relative to like this new twenty twenty one season, or do you mean compared to the previous rankings? Compared to the previous rankings. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't so much a surprise by the end, you know, when I was creating the list itself. But you know, last year I had Hunter Skinner at pretty much the close to the bottom of my list, um, 
And, you know, this year I, I got to see him in the London Knights, the OHL, you know, and, and something a scout pointed out to me who had seen him was that, you know, the USHL can be rough for, for defensemen sometimes, um, especially offensive defensemen, just because of the way the league is and the style that's played and, and such, um, you know, and so when he went to, to what he was originally supposed to go to the NCAA, NCAA actually, um, I believe with Western Michigan, which, you know, who knows how that would have gone for better or for worse, but uh, I would imagine, you know, he wouldn't have been getting big minutes there. It would have been, you know, he would have been playing against grown men. And I, you know, if he had done that, I probably wouldn't have moved him much up the list. Um, you know, he goes to London, he has a big first half of the season and so, so second half of the season, but, um, you know, he went from someone I thought was pretty close to write-off status to someone that I think, you know, isn't, you know, no one's getting any raises in the Rangers front office or drafting him right now or anything, but, you know, they took him in the fourth round and he's, you know, a year later kind of looks like a fourth rounder. One player that I noticed, and I think um, it's it's something that obviously is going to be of need given the makeup of the team. We obviously look at how it appears that Keandre Miller is going to make the, the opening night mm-hmm. roster on the left side, um, but it's another left-hand defense prospect on your list that uh, Zach Jones at number five, he moves up from number 12 last year. And I know in here you you thought, you know, you're being ambitious about him, but uh, what was it that either, I guess it's more specifically, was it him just being a lot better than expectation or it was a, a case of, um, you you thought a little less of him then, and, and it's just a combination of the two. Huh, yeah, it, it's tough. You know, like if when the Rangers had drafted him, you'd told me like this guy's going to become a second pairing defenseman at the end of the day. Um, that would have been no way surprised me. Um, it's more that I just it's a bit surprising how quickly he he kind of hit the ground running. Um, I, I thought you know, his first year in college was, I thought he'd be fine, but I thought it was gonna be a lot more of a, a, of a learning curve for him. And instead he, you know, came on, replaced Kale McCarr at UMass and, you know, not quite replaced in the most, you know, literal sense, but um, he was their best defenseman. Um, he was putting up crazy numbers, you know, his numbers dipped a bit in the second half of the season, um, which, you know, kind of presented a bit of, bit of a problem for me creating the rankings because, you know, you're wondering, all right, well, did he just get hot you know, to create a good first impression. And now that's lasting in your minds. Um, you know, the good news for the Rangers, and I guess, you know, in my sense for my rankings is that he's, you know, a point per game player again at UMass Amherst um, this season is uh, five goals, eight assists in 13 games. So um, we'll see, you know, where he ends up in the NHL, if he ends up in the NHL. But right now, you know, I, I feel as confident as ever in my, in my ranking of him at fifth overall, or sorry, yeah, fifth overall on our list. Um, so, you know, I think he's certainly um, living up to the hype. And the other prospect of note that I would say for that people really um, talk about a lot or at least take a lot of interest in is Nils Lundqvist, and he moves from yep. six to two. Um Given everything going on with the way that the the season is starting for the Rangers, and um, do you think, and, and with Hartford, you know, not starting till February, is this a case where you could see him come over at some point this year, or he's just going to do his thing overseas, and then this is really a conversation we're having 
um, in October. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to make any real predictions in a world where you know, like we're one week away from just like a series of COVID cases, you know, are abruptly ruining everything. So, you know, in that sense, who knows, but assuming things go as relatively planned. um, Yeah. I think there's a chance for sure. Um, You know, that, that comes down to a lot of, you know, what he wants, what his agent wants, but you know, of course I think the Rangers would love to bring him over, over sooner rather than later. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he wanted to burn the first year on his contract. Um, which, you know, maybe the Rangers won't love that, but that's the price you pay for bringing, you know, getting him integrated early and also to ensure that his rights don't expire next year when he can decide to leave. Um, uh, And at that point, you know, you're looking at a depth chart that has Fox, Truba, D'Angelo on the right side. You know, maybe, I I think he would still sign, but the Rangers don't want to take that chance, right? So I think the Rangers would love to... um, if his season ends before or at a time where it's practical to bring him over to North America um, and he's healthy, I think, yeah, that's something for sure to look out for. Something I've wanted to ask you, Adam is like, I've, I find myself being guilty of like getting enamored with guys like Laurie Pagianiemi where I see them score goals and like, you know, I watch a couple of, of games and like, damn, he just looks so good. And I think something that's an easy pitfall for people to fall into is, mm. yeah, he looks really good in Liga, right? And trying to identify the skill sets of a player like a guy like Pajuniemi, who has great offensive instincts, he seems to have a great shot. Like he does all these little things. You're like, damn, this guy just shoots the lights out. But then like you kind of connected dots and like, what did, uh, what did Vinny Letary do again? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, like it's something I wonder is how do you kind of put that through a filter of trying to understand what a guy who's playing against men, mind you, like in a, in a high caliber league, like league, I forget where it ranks. I know it's behind the Swedish league and obviously yeah. behind the KHL, but mm-hmm. you see success in a league like that. And you think of a couple of the Rangers prospects that are there. I think that's where Tarmo was. Right. And, you try to understand what chances they have of being impact players in the NHL in the near future. And a guy like Laurie Pazzaniemi is 21 now, right? So, but it's also like, yeah, but where was he drafted? He's a success story. So I was wondering when you look at guys like that, how do you determine where to rank someone when he's having success? Like he's doing everything right, but it's very hard to, I guess, divorce what's happening from the context or it's hard to include the context and translate it over to NHL or even AHL production. Yeah. I mean, like the shortest answer is that, you know, I don't know. And uh, it's, that's, that's That's a good answer. That's that's the million, but I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? That's why, you know, no matter how good, you know, even the best scouts are wrong more often than they're right. So um, you can do all your homework. You could have the best intentions, you know, you could, you know, understand the game better than anyone, but you're, it's, you can't predict the future. You can't re- predict how, you know, imperfect humans are going to react to spontaneous, you know, events and, and, and whatever else and, or new environments. So yeah, like, you know, ultimately you don't know, you can only do your best to guess. And so, you know, what I'm, what I'm looking for when watching is you want to see that he can score and, you know, 
Is he scoring all his goals just because, you know, he's getting fed one-timers on the power play? And that's the, Which you he know, did a lot of, yeah. He did, he did do a lot of. And that, was, <laughs> that was, a you know, um, you know, is it, you know, is he relying on um, beating defenders who are physically undermatched and, you know, He's mm. not necessarily creating plays, um, you know, in five-man units, if that makes sense. You know, he's um, – because, you know, like Ryan Gropp, for instance, he was just faster than a lot of players and bigger than, uh, bigger and faster than a lot of players at the WHL level. And so he would just kind of blow by them north to south. And once he got to the AHL, you know, he, he kind of met his match, so to speak. He didn't have the problem-solving skills or the creativity to make, you know, east-west plays, to um, make passes to, you know, uh, keep the other team guessing. Um, you know, he he had tr- trouble contributing off the puck. So I, I you know, uh, I think that's one thing you're looking at with Pajanemi. And w- you know, what mm-hmm. I would say is that he's been better this year. I mean, even towards the end of last season, about about that, where yeah, you know, it's a good skill to have for sure, right? Like no one's complaining about you know Ovechkin in Washington that he's scoring so much from the from the circles, right? Like if you have the ability, you have the ability. But you know, he doesn't have that good of a bit of a shot and. Um, you want to see if you can do it in other ways, and I think he's he's showing some ability now in this season, towards the end of last season, to you know carry the puck through the middle of the ice and to drive the net with it, and um, you know make, make be a playmaker when he needs to, and and uh, create his own shot. You know, I, I think is a big one. Is you know, um, are you just being fed by a great playmaker? Or can you create your own shot? He's he's doing a better shot. Uh, job of that this season um is that gonna be good enough for the nhl that's you know to be seen but what i would say is i think he's shown enough that um he's worth a look in in uh the american league at at least where i think he would do fine yeah um you know that's kind of you you look at it with in increments um you know some players it's like all right kanji miller he was you know so great in college and at junior level that's like all right let's just you know you knew right away he's gonna be at least be in in camp fighting for a job other guys it's you know kind of a one step at a time thing where it's like all right he did this now let's see if he can do it at the ahl level and if he can do it at the ahl level you know then you give him that chance with the rangers yeah you move him up the ladder so to speak like you test him it's like that what is it the moore's hardness test of like things that can scratch things (laughs) yeah sure can a diamond scratch this well nothing can scratch a diamond like you know like can quartz scratch talc or whatever the hell it is um yeah but Pachinami is an interesting one to me because I think he moved up from what was it for you like twenty one to twelve, and I yeah. think something that's important for me, like to put in context for folks, is like Pachinami is already kind of a success story for a guy who's drafted where he is. Yeah, he may never play in the NHL or even for Hartford, but I would call that a pretty successful pick to find a guy who could be a guy who makes an impact like that. Yeah, I, I think if, you know, what is it now, year three, I, th- I think um, if three years after you draft a player, you're saying, hey, or in the fifth round at least, if you draft a player in the fifth round and three years later you're saying, hey, this guy still has a decent chance of making it, I think that in itself, uh, even if he doesn't make it, you can, you know, look back at it and say, all right, well, we were in the ballpark of it. We had the right idea. Yeah. So... I have one more question um, just on prospects before we get to um, World Juniors. So, obviously, a lot of the top names most people are familiar with, they're, they're following, whether it's, like we mentioned, Kraftsoff, Lundqvist, and, and, you know, the like. Is there someone who maybe doesn't get 
quite enough attention that is someone that maybe you you check in on them every so often that you have high hopes for or would it be easy to say is how you ranked guys it's just sort of your personal feeling on them and there's really not this dark horse so to speak that can maybe um emerge into something of value if that makes any sense yeah um you know i think i had oliver tarnstrom around like 17th or so maybe um you know i I thought they drafted him too early in the third round but um i thought he was a guy that you could draft in the fifth or sixth round and then you know a few years later you're like wow that guy should have been drafted in the third round um, it's going to be, to me, a very slow burn with him just because he, he has a lot of skill, but just, he's extremely thin for his size and, you know, his skating is, is a major work in progress and such. And, um, you know, he's, he's in Europe and I think they're going to leave him there for three, if not four years. Um, so I, he's definitely kind of like for different reasons he's in that like Pajuniemi camp where it's like, all right, like you're not going to, you're not really going to understand, you know, if, if that picks working out or not in year one, it's, it's more of a, you're waiting on that one. Um, and I, I think he has the ability, you know, um, to become a legit middle six center um, in the NHL, if second or third line center, it, it, that's if all goes right. Um, but I think he's a guy that, you know, with some patience, he could have like that breakout year in two or three years where we're going, Oh, okay. Yes. Like, you know, that that's finally, he, he reached, he's reaching his potential. He's making the most of his abilities and figuring out how to uh, use individual skills. Like he's such a great puck handler. He's very confident carrying the puck. He has a great shot, creative player. And it's just about kind of figuring out how to get it all to work together um, in, in, you know, in one package. So I, I think he's kind of the guy where you're, if, if you're looking for someone on my list who's kind of in the second half of it that, you know, in a few years could be pushing, you know, the top 10. Um, I think he has the biggest upside amongst those kind of, uh, you know, the second half, the back end of my list, if you will. So now we move on to uh, World Juniors, and the Rangers had a couple of prospects uh, participate in the tournament. Um, unfortunately, they were una- we were unable to see anything of Carl Henriksen, um, who was, I think, I think you had said that he would have most likely been their number one center, but because of you know COVID, was unable to. Um, participate but we did see some players on team usa um in you know brett berard and we obviously braden schneider in canada and dylan garand is is the backup and was hunter skinner on usa as well yeah he played one shift okay so not much there which yeah what i'm not thinking of um, well, what a shift yeah <laughs> nah. one more shift more than us that we should make clear yeah yeah Yes, yes. Um, so initial thoughts on prospects. Obviously, it's really, really small sample size, and everything is um, mm. larger than life given the the press coverage and all that stuff. Um, but just your initial thoughts on how the, the boys did. Yeah, and, and especially because there's just been no hockey for so long, and, and you know, we're going to have to see if Schneider can even play in the WHL this year. We know he's going to be in the AHL for at least a start. 
Um, but you know, point being like the microscope is, is ever more focused on the world juniors just because there's, you know, that that's the hockey, right. Or that was the hockey at the time. Um, so a lot of room for, um, overemphasis of, you know, a small sample. Um, you know, nonetheless, I, I thought Schneider, um, you know, he, he kind of gave what I expected for better or worse. Um, you know, with, within the tournament itself, there were a lot of highs and lows because, um, you know, he, Gets suspe- gets kicked out of the first game, you know, fewer than ten minutes in, and then suspended for the next one. Um, but you know, other than that, you know, he showed you know his great shutdown abilities. Um, and I, I think I hope anyone who was watching kind of saw, you know, that you know we can debate the pick, but that this isn't just like some big defenseman who just like hits things and like you know. Um, doesn't know how to play hockey. I mean, he showed, you know, great gap control. He showed, you know, the ability to stop players rushing with the puck and not just because he could throw them through the glass, but, you know, the way he can close down on them pretty quickly by anticipating plays. Um, I think he did a pretty good job showing, um, at least at moments, there were some times where he struggled with the puck on a stick, but, um, you know, he racked up a few assists. Um, he had a few, you know, he sprung a few rushes. Um, he joined the play offensively a few times. You know, I, I think he showed, you know, capable puck skills, um, to some degree, at least. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think, you know, regardless of what anyone thought of him entering that tournament, whether that's fans or, you know, scouts, whatever, I I don't think anyone really, you know, I think they kind of like where they entered that tournament thinking of him. I think probably they exited the same feeling the same way about him. You know, I don't think he did much to really change minds either directions. I think, you know, um, he kind of, he was, he was what was expected. Um, now Brett Berard, um, at the risk of, you know, uh, tooting my own horn, I, you know, I had him 10th on my list and, um, dude, I, I think he played much better than a fifth round picture of, right? Like, uh, you know, he had how many points, five points in seven games or something like that. Um, yeah. One goal forces. So, um, you know, aside from that, he showed just incredible ability to hunt down pucks on, on dump-ins, on, you know, loose 50-50s in the neutral zone. Um, he showed great transition ability to pick off passes in the defensive zone to create rushes the other way. Um, just, you know, in general, you know, to oversimplify, he showed, he played with a lot of energy and productive energy, not just kind of hitting guys after the pucks left the play. Or, you know, he showed abilities to, you know, when the other team had the puck to make make it his puck and make it USA's puck and then to um, create offense, some offense on the third line for for them. And so, you know, he kind of entered the tournament, you know, as the team's 13th forward. And that was even after, you know, a few guys had to leave because of COVID-related issues. Um, he might not have made the team in normal, normal circumstances and ended up, you know, becoming a pretty key third liner for them in their gold medal win. Um, so, you know, while I think his performance lined up with my ranking of him at 10th on the list, um, I, I think kind of he got the mainstream attention he deserved, if that makes sense. I, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of watched and went, why the hell is this, why is, was this guy available in the fifth round? Um, you know, so I'm, I'm sure the Rangers are absolutely thrilled. Um, you know, um, so uh, I, I think he'll be quite pleased with that. I think the Rangers will be pleased with that. Yeah, I mean, and not to say that, um, you know, he's Jamie Benn or anything, but like, Jamie Benn is a fifth round pick we've seen, you know, throughout, oh, he agrees, uh, um, throughout the history of the draft, you, you'll have some guys that fall through, through the cracks, um, 
so of of the group of prospects, um, so Berard should be back for Team USA next year, and Schneider would have aged out, I believe, for uh, Canada. Correct. Yes. And then Garand would most likely be back as well yeah. for Canada. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, like it was weird, like. It was weird for me. I did not watch much of the tournament. Uh, I think, like, mostly everyone, I watched the gold medal game. And uh, I thought that it was just, um, I not Rangers-related, but I loved the interview that uh, Zegers gave with TSN. And he's talking about, oh, we need to uh, prove ourselves five-on-five. And they're asking, like, you know, do you have any like, concerns about Canada? It's like, well, they really haven't, like, faced anyone that's challenged in the, this tournament and wasn't, you know, getting into the hype. Then, then of course, he has uh, an amazing game. But... Um, this is like I I think I know what your answer is going to be to this question, but I'll just ask it anyway. Um, had the Rangers released Lafreniere, do you think he would have been a major difference maker for Canada in the sense of they probably win the gold medal, or was it just a case of um, you know Team USA had a good roster and they? found the way to to play to uh shut canada down just to silence the people that are like oh canada would have won if the rangers had given us lafreniere yeah um i mean <laughs> would do i think that would have been the difference yes probably because he's just that good normally one player is not going to make or break in that situation but he's just you know he was the best player in the tournament last year um you know a year a year older you know, um, yeah, he probably would have been that dominant. But, you know, by the same token, you know, uh, the Devils did not release Jack Hughes to the U.S. Um, you know, so, um, you know, the argument one can make is, oh, well, you know, Jack Hughes was already in the NHL, so it's different. Well, I mean, you know, Lafreniere could have been in the NHL last year if, he, you know, if the rules allowed it. Um, so, you know, I, you could play the what-if game, of course, a million times over. Um, I don't think Canada really has... Um, and not even just because of the reasons the Rangers kept Lafreniere, which were totally justified. But even you know, even aside from that, I don't think Canada can really you know try to claim that this was an injustice and that uh, you know in different circumstances, like oh look, they were the deserving champions. If you know, I I, I think you know Lafreniere aside, you know they they more or less were as healthy as they could have been. Um, well, Kirby Doc was missing, but you know they entered camp without him or with him. Um, I, I thought the U S was just the better team, um, when they played. And the last question I have, because you, you brought it up before and I wanted to, to mention it. So Braden Schneider obviously signs the, the AHL deal that allows him to go to Hartford, um, until the WHL is back. So, um, what do you make of like, not what do you make of him signing? Because obviously you want him to play, but is this a situation where the Rangers might say to themselves um, he could be potentially ready sooner than later? Or is it always a case of because he's on the older side that if he had returned to the, the WHL this year that this was going to be his last season before turning pro? I'm not exactly sure on when his birthday is and if that would have made a difference at all. Yeah, so... Um, you know, because 
I believe his birthday was September 20th. I'd have to look that up. But um, long story short, uh, because he turned 19 before the end of 2020, um, he will be eligible to play in the AHL next year, um, even uh, even under normal circumstances, even with the WHL back and, and all that, um, simply because he will be 20 years old when the season starts. And so the Rangers can keep him in the AHL if they want to. They could send him back to juniors. Um, so I, I think, you know, part of it's the age thing, but also just the maturity of his game and not just physical maturity. He's definitely NHL or at least AHL size right now, but you know, he's a responsible defender. He's, you know, needs to work on his skating a bit maybe, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be lost and overwhelmed at the AHL level this year, let alone next year. Um, I think he's ready for the step. I think most questions about him are about, you know, how good will he be? how much how much more runway is there in his development um so that's you know that's a question for a different day um but in terms of you know the rangers bringing him into the ahl right now i think they're probably thrilled um that you know obviously it's unfortunate circumstances under which is happening i think they're probably pretty happy that you know in at least in his case the ends justify the means and that he can uh play at, at a level that will challenge him in a way that i think the WHL might not have right now. Mike, any uh, final questions, prospects related, World Juniors related uh, for Adam? Well, I think the thing that I I tried to watch Schneider pretty closely, and it, it was interesting to me, like you said, Adam, he had a, about as inauspicious and crappy of a start as you can have, really. Um, I actually really liked the way he responded to being asked about the hit. Like, he took you know, he's took accountability for it. He was, you know, he said like, yeah, I, I can't make those kind of plays. And, you know, when you watch that hit, it's one of those things you're like, oh man, you know, uh, it, it happens so yeah. fast. It's hard to blame the kid completely. And I'm yeah. someone who is just staunchly against high hits. Like I don't make excuses for anyone, Rangers prospect or whatever. But when you watch that hit, you're like, ah, crap, you know, uh, that could have turned out very differently if, it wasn't like you didn't get this sense he was trying to kill the kid, but um. No, and I don't even you know it was a bad hit. He deserved the suspension, but like this wasn't yeah. like this wasn't even atten- intentions aside. Like we see some hits sometimes that where like maybe the player didn't mean it, but it was still just like reckless and just like what were you thinking? And yeah, you know, it's so that, like with, away with from that, the puck, away from the action, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's like and, what are you trying to accomplish? This wasn't. Yeah, and it was that, just like right? oh, in the heat of the moment, that was an idiotic play. With this one, it was more you know it, it was a lot more you know mechanical and just like all right like and he said it himself like if he had just kept the stick down it would have been a perfectly clean hit and you know it's just you know you don't want those hits but nobody's perfect and um there have for sure been worse ones and he learned from it and he's gonna adjust and um you know I, i think that showed a lot not just in terms of character and such but you know which is great but you want players who can be taught right you want players who can because you know any player is going to make mistakes it's going to do something wrong especially a young one who's trying to adjust and so you know that that's part of it is that um that's part of the harder side of prospect scouting right is like you can you can evaluate like what a guy did on the ice what he's doing on the ice but yeah um you know a bit more abstract is it, it is this someone who can learn um yeah can, like how did it change like, the game uh, yeah, all the intangibles they do with interviews and everything, and you have to find prospects who there's enough about their game that's clay. Like you can work with him and yeah. develop him into a player. And I, I mean, it's just a little interview, but I was very encouraged by how Schneider responded to that. No, I was, um, I was too. 
Yeah, I thought it would be also... really interesting. He took, he's like, yeah, if I, like you said with his stick, is like, yeah, if my stick wasn't up, it would be a clean hit and I can't make those kind of plays. And, you know, he acknowledged what he did. And I was like, all right, damn. Yeah. Like, I wish yeah. I was that mature and well spoken yeah, like, at that age. Honestly, yeah. I would say um, it was a way more mature response. And again, not just even about accountability, but just again, like the way he just kind of showed, like, yeah, that was a mistake. And like, here's how I can fix it going forward. Just kind of understanding of how to become a better player of it. I thought it was a better response than 99% of players who get suspended for bad hits in the NHL ever, ever get. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I just thought that was an interesting to note because. He yep. stood out to me a lot in the in the gold medal game. Uh, he had a couple of puck battles where I was impressed by like his footwork and his strength, but also he was able to jump up in the offense. I agree. There are times when like the puck's on a stick, and it's a little bit like you know the the finer points of puck control are just not there for him, and that's fine. Yeah. But uh, I I like a lot about what he brings to the table in, in terms of like size and skating because. He moved around a lot better than I thought he might, and I knew he was not a bad skater. So yeah. it was interesting to me that he he rose to the occasion in the interview, and also like not to be too figurative here, but like he also rose to the occasion, played a really strong game in the gold medal game. But as yeah. someone who watches a lot of women's hockey, and it's one of my favorite things is in women's hockey we always pay attention to the international tournaments, and they're right. all five or six or seven games long. I want everyone to remember sample size really matters for things like this. We got to yep. see like, you know, 6.2 games of Schneider. So, or 6.8 rather games of Schneider. So like, yeah. And, and yeah. even more so because a lot of these guys haven't been playing, right? Like you got yeah, everyone <laughs> usually so rusty and yeah, in a, in a normal insane. season, you know, guys are, you know, they got like what, 20 games or so in the W like Brian Schneider in a normal year would have had like 20 games or so under his belt. I think maybe a bit more before you know just jumping right into you know this whereas now it was like hey like okay well like three weeks ago you were kind of just skating in like an, an empty rink with you know like a hired trainer and like now like all right you got to play <laughs> the, like one of the most competitive games of your entire life you know so with the world even more, more than more than ever more than ever consider the you know the sample yeah context is an important thing especially when we evaluate prospects it's big indeed so on that note, um, I think now is a great time for an ad break, and then when we come back, we will talk a little bit about the Rangers' uh, finalized roster, uh, as they announce as we're podcasting this, and some of the lines that uh, we expect to see against the Islanders. Yeah. So uh, we will be right back. Just like that, we are back from the break. Um, the Rangers have announced they will have 22 players on their active roster, uh, a taxi squad of Morgan Barron, Anthony Batetto, uh, Colin Blackwell, Lieber Hayek, Keith Kincaid, and Matthew Robertson. Um, and the lines 
so far to start the season, if if we're following from uh, last practice, will be the KZB line, uh, Panarin, Strom, Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl, Gautier, Lemieux, Howden, DiGiuseppe, Kevin Rooney, um, and DiGiuseppe obviously switching in and out as that final forward. Um, and then on defense, uh, Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, a returning pair from last year, uh, Jack Johnson and Tony D'Angelo, um, God help us all. Um, and then Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba. Um, and then obviously Igor and uh, Alex between the pipes. Um, I would say like looking at this, they pretty much nailed the forwards and I'm really mm. excited. Um, hopefully that the, you know, the ice time is shuffled as it should be. Uh, the defense is going to be another uh, experience. And I'm hoping that, Miller and Truba get to stay together for a little bit before, uh, you know, the old vet Jack Johnson gets just thrown into the mix. Um, but, you know, starting with Adam and then Mike, uh, just initial thoughts on who made the, the final roster and, and the lines that are, are shaken out so far. Yeah, I think um, at least the first three lines, are, um, in my opinion, are, are exactly what they should be. Um, I don't think they could have done anything better there. Fourth line, um, you know, I'd like to see Kevin Rooney at, at center instead of Brett Howden. Um, you know, that being said, it's you know they're looking for to see the long term here. You know, they're going the worst thing they're gonna do at forward is take a you know give Brett Howden one more look here. You know, so be it. Um, you know, <laughs> defense. You know, what I would say is that they didn't create any more problems than we were already aware of going like when <laughs> going into going into training camp if that makes sense like it's very you know, generous we, of you adam yeah i mean like look like you know like there's an alternate you know, you know scenario where it's like okay well now our third pairing is you know we were hayek and d'angelo and That's also true. jack johnson yeah. also jack johnson yeah. made the team and keandre's on the taxi squad and yeah. you, you know i i think you know kind of <laughs> knowing what the damage was going to be, this was the least of it, I think, perhaps. Um, I also think, um, you know, I, I understand the emphasis on line, on, you know, lines and pairings, and uh, especially, you know, it's been so long since there's been hockey news and people are excited, hockey starting. You know, that being said, we all know, right, like three games in, it's going to all shuffle. Um, they're going to have a, yeah. you know, a crappy, crappy first two periods against the Islanders or something or, you know, like whatever it is, and, you know, suddenly, you know, Quinn needs to find a different thing to get the team going. And, you know, like, you know, Strom and Kreider find chemistry in the third period to score a couple goals. And like, you know, suddenly everything's up to, upended, but, um, you know, I, it's where I think the big thing is Truba because it's like, you know, Adam Fox is going to be good. You know, Jack Johnson is going to be bad, right? Like, Truba, it's like he has the ability to be a, a top 30 defenseman in the NHL, or, you know, at least, at worst, a top four defenseman, um, and a good one. It just, it didn't work last season for, for, a, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, one would hope, um, this isn't, you know, it shouldn't be, this isn't like a 29 year old who's reaching, you know, the back end of his career and it's like, oh no, is the decline hitting? Like, he should be in his prime right now, right? Like, so one would hope that, you know, it was just kind of a bad year for, for a few reasons and that, you know, he's going to be with Keandre Miller now, which, <laughs> I 
may for better or worse may be the best partner he's had for an extended period of time on his on his left side um so you know if maybe maybe that just kind of like the long off season you know a different perspective better understanding of the, the system Jacques Martin comes in as the assistant and now he's got you know a pretty damn good you know at least a talented defenseman on his left side um if 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 all goes well there you know is this a perfect team no did they you know uh, are there some are they, have they shot themselves a foot in the foot a bit on defense yeah but um you know i i think you know they're going to be at least a competitive team if he, if if he can um you know get his game back your thoughts mikey i'm interested if if we had a typical training camp if rooney would have been given more of a chance to kind of wrestle away that 4c spot from howden um like like adam said it's not the end of the world that they're giving him one more look you know in the roster out of camp but i think we've heard enough chatter and we've seen enough to understand like the organization can't be exactly in love with how brett howden has developed and come along i like the taxi squad, like there's not a lot of surprises there to me. Like I, I you know, surprise, surprise, potatoes on the taxi squad. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, we saw a lot of comments about how Morgan Barron looked really nervous and stuff in camp from Quinn, which I thought was interesting, um, like an interesting way to deal with a player, uh, especially a guy who's making the jump straight from the NCAA. I was a little surprised by that, but also, you know, he's on the taxi squad, so. Um, I don't know if that tells us something or, or if we shouldn't read too much into that, you know, it's just a a warm body who showed enough in camp that, you know, they don't mind having him around on the squad, but yeah, uh, as as Adam said, the, the defense is what it is. I, uh, I think the statement Adam made is like, uh, Keandre might be the best defensive partner on the left side that Truba's had since he's been here is like a fascinating statement to t- dissect for a litany of reasons. Like, oh yeah, it's probably true. And that's also uh, terrifying and horrible that that is the way they've utilized Jacob Truba so far. But I'm hoping really, really like against hope that this is a big bounce back year for Truba because, yeah. you know, we, we look at this team and all the, the fun with Lafreniere and the start of a new chapter and net with, with Igor Shesterkin. But if you want to talk about two guys who need to have good years, the top of the list is is Jacob Truba and Capo yep. Caco. Like we need mm. to see good things out of those guys this year. And I really, really think Truba is just in terms of what's invested in him, yeah, and how integral he is to that blue line. He might be more important to have a better year. And uh, I look at what's there on that blue line, and I say to myself, "Wow, it sure would be great." Like just. If Keandre Miller could have like a Ryan Lindgren level rookie season where, you know what, he just kind of, he just kind of fits as a puzzle. Just like not, he's not actively sabotaging the team. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not not the guy on the pirate ship who's just poking holes in the sail. And you're like, what are you doing? Uh, He's like rowing, like, you know, it's going in a direction, maybe not always the right direction, but you're like, yeah, he's a kid. He's figuring it out. Yeah. That's, that's also kind of the, I mean, it's the, the kind of the situation the Rangers find themselves in. Like, 
if, if you're like the Minnesota Wild right now, right? Like it's not good. Like you don't, you're not good enough if you just have like guys who are just kind of like doing okay. Like you just you lack like high end talent. Like the Rangers, like they have so many really good players. Like their good players yeah. are really good, and you just kind of you know, it'd be nice to be a buzzsaw like the Lightning last year, but like for right now, like you just need guys who can just like hold serve and just kind of like participate and like carry a bucket of water <laughs> like without yeah like, spilling it everywhere like like some kind of like infomercial clown like showing like why like it's <laughs> difficult like like what you know like <laughs> just like no but that's don't, important. don't ruin like, it for everyone else yeah like, the rangers need out of keandre miller right now and you know if, if he can't do that you're not gonna hold it against him because he's you know, still a prospect he's still young but yeah. for the team's sake it would, sure would be nice if he could do that right yeah, we need we need these younger guys to play like replacement level above just slightly above replacement level as it gets towards the end of the season. Just be guys who don't actively hurt the team and guess what? They'll develop, they'll learn. Like they, they'll come together. It's a better solution yeah. than, you know, the Adam McQuaid approach, whatever the hell that idea yeah. was. Like I I yeah, prefer yeah. this approach or even we should say to be more current, the Jack Johnson approach. Um Yeah. But yeah, yep. it's it's fascinating to me that this is we find ourselves just like, oh, last year's defense was a nightmare. Thank God that's over. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, mm. this is just a slightly different nightmare. <laughs> and maybe there's a couple more heroes involved. But the you know, like, oh, Mark Stahl was defensively one of the worst defenders in the league, you know, measuring by every conceivable public data uh, defensive metric. And who, who do the Rangers replace him with? A guy who was even worse somehow uh, in in some aspects <sighs> yeah. of of analyzing uh, play away from the puck. So mm. here we are. But you know what, Adam? He did score the first goal in training camp. So fantastic! It's, uh, it's I, I appreciate it just for like just for the bit, you know. And the, la- the last thing I'll say on this is, and I'm, re- I'm working on an article that I'm hoping will be ready for tomorrow. That, you know, uh, will be published Wednesday for anyone listening later. But. Um, but at some point, the Rangers need to see like if Quinn's the man for the job, and and I don't, I don't, you know, for the first couple of years, what that meant was kind of like you know developing a culture where these young players could grow into themselves and and you know become a cohesive unit and such. But like at some point, you got to see like, hey, like can this guy, you know, um, take on you know another NHL ho- coach when it comes to you know tactics and matching lines and and, and outthinking them and, and and that kind of thing. And it's hard to you, you can't really test him on that when you just have players just who can't play you know who are kind of just ruining it when you have like kind of those one man black holes in the ice ruining it for everyone else like you just it's just hard to really see and i think that you know is another reason why you know if you know lingren and keandre miller can kind of just be okay that would be good enough for for that reason as well to just kind of see like all right like you know we have some talent and you know like there's also you know players who are just kind of neutral and then you know because you a better view of what's working what's not working yeah i agree with that assessment and not to potentially spoil something you might write about in your article but i do get this sense that as the pieces fall into place they're not going to want to waste much time and they'll they'll see if if quinn is the guy for the job i mean i've said it on previous podcasts but um the minute that they hired chris knobloch for the wolfpack job and the guy's 40 years old was a coach for 13 years seven years of which he's been a head coach it just said to me is like this is the guy of the future like you've i've seen it a lot in, in other sports like mostly baseball where you're a team that is transitioning. You have 
a guy that you know you you have him bring the team oh so far and then once the kids are ready then you have the guy that has the pulse of it um i'm not saying that they're going to get there yet with with quinn or or that he can't be that guy but i i certainly think um that is going to be an interesting situation especially i think when um bavada had the odds for um first a coach fired in the season i believe like he was tied with a bunch of people but i think it was like 12th or 14th best odds um yeah. which which to me was kind of wild but the more i thought about it it's it's like you take this uh, a semblance of young talent and you you look at what they're looking to build and um you don't really want to mess around with that um i guess the last thing um and mention is uh which we learned this week was um mika had covid and has since recovered and true also had it before camp um that'll be interesting situation to see because as we've seen um in other sports some players have had it recovered and been fine and um there are other others who unfortunately have have not had um such luck um but i guess that's going to be something that we monitor all season. Like I know right now, I think the Dallas Stars have 17 players uh, on their roster or in camp that you know had tested positive at one point. Um, so yeah, that that's a thing that you know. It's almost like doing sports outside of a bubble. Is maybe yeah. not. Is it's, it's almost like it's not a good idea. Almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, like the thing is too, like we can, you know, we can do the debate of like living life versus, you know, protecting people because like that's a kind of decision we make at all times in certain aspects, right? Like, yeah, you know, like there's inherent risk in almost anything you do, right? Like no matter what it is, like, um, you know, a freaking air conditioner could just fall on my head walking around Manhattan tomorrow, right? But like, you just don't get the sense that like, they're doing literally everything they can to make this as safe as possible. Like we saw at the NBA today, they're like, all right, like, because like they just had outbreaks that have postponed multiple games. They're like, all right, now players have to wear masks on the bench. And like, now they're not allowed to eat at restaurants anymore. And it's like, well, like why let it get to that point before you do those things? Right. Like you can have an NBA season or you can have an NHL season. It's not going to affect anything. People are still living their lives. Right. Like without them taking those like, extra risks of, you know, eating at restaurants and, and, you know, doing things like that. Um, I just kind of hope, um, you're going to get COVID positives no matter what. And we can debate the merits of holding a season in that, in that situation. But if a season's going to happen, like you just kind of hope they do everything possible beyond that to keep players safe and to, you know, mitigate the spread. So, Mike, um, anything else you want to talk about before uh, read the names of our uh, lovely patrons? No, I mean, I think we covered a little bit of everything. Obviously, Adam, thanks for joining us. Um, breaking down, I know before the show started, we were joking like, when World Juniors feels like it was three months ago. Um, and yeah. you know, we're only now just being able to roll out some preview stuff for the banter and the season, the NHL season starts tomorrow, but the Rangers season starts obviously on uh, on Thursday. So uh, it's crazy to think, and it's a whirlwind. And what is it, guys? Like a hundred and something days in a row of hockey? Like 16 or 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's, like, it's, it's a like lot more more than like eight for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so everyone, buckle the hell up. I hope this is fun. I hope that this doesn't get out of hand and things don't spiral out of control. And uh, mm. you know, I don't know. There's been a lot of things in life lately that make me feel like things are out of control. But I hope the hockey is good. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I really hope the hockey's good. And uh, um, I know we have a preview coming out, but I think. Uh, I'm a maybe, but I think both Adam and Tom are predictions of just like shooting from the hip prediction. Are the Rangers um, a playoff team? You guys don't think they are, but I was, I wanted to wrap up with one, one quick question after of course saying that is what is the most interesting thing to you about the schedule adam because tom when he, me and i talked about it, he can he compared a lot to like it's baseball right you just play the same goddamn yeah. teams over and over and over to me it's like oh yeah we'll get to see teams we don't play a lot and then well now we'll get to see them a little bit more like boston which is like in i'm in the round table i asked like does this mean the rangers and the bruins are rivals again after all the years of having that shoved down our throat by NBC Sports, is yeah. it's Wednesday night rivalry. It's the Rangers mm. and Bruins, and here's Mike Milbury hitting someone with a fucking penny loafer. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I was wondering I, what what are your thoughts on the schedule and if it'll make for I don't know like tactics and things like oh yeah, yeah. if we're playing the Islanders three days in a row, might we see teams make adjustments? Little fun things like that. Yeah, I, I hope so. I just you know like I like in the NHL schedule that like you usually see every team once. But I like that too. Beyond beyond that though, like it's it just kind of is like a buzzkill when it's just like, all right, like it's a Wednesday night in like November and you're playing the Hurricanes and it's just like, all right. And then like next game is against, you know, the Panthers. And it it will be nice to kind of see kind of momentum build in a way where things carry over from game to game and, and not just like emotions and players fighting or whatever, but just like Yeah. You know, like okay, well, like you know, two days, two days ago, like all right, like this line dominated this this line, and you know, like will the other team adjust? How you know, are they going to figure out a way to deal with it? Um, things like that, where yeah. it's not just As kind of like, to, yeah, where it's not just like all right, we're trying to pops up where it's like Sebastian Ajo comes off a five goal game against Ottawa. It's like yeah, but that was against Ottawa, and that was four days ago. What does that have to yeah. do with now? And, or like you know like when it's like all right like a team a game got t- intense and you know like november and then these teams see each other again in february and then like fourth liners fight and then like joe micheletti like i love him but like then like they're trying to sell like oversell like oh like these two teams just don't like each other and it's like all right, like, you know what i mean it's like oh, that was like four months ago like you know so i i am kind of I'm, i am looking forward to to that that part of it that kind of baseball ish part of it where it's like all right like we're gonna see like legitimate adjustments and not just kind of like teams facing like looking inwards but like also kind of like adjusting to like the opposition's tactics and 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 stuff like that the other thing i want to say because only because it was mentioned you mentioned it you brought it up is that whoever whoever picked the over-unders and such and like the the kind of the open-ended questions really did me a disservice because i re- <laughs> i think i picked like the under for like everyone or like like whichever was like the pessimistic view and it like i really didn't want to and it was just like whoever set like the <laughs> the bar just really screwed me because well, I, I was hoping for you know, like over under like over under like three passes by capo Kaku this season so i could be like over and like you know like make people feel good and like make him feel good and 
you know, like that. But no, whoever whoever designed that was an evil monster, just dedicated to making me look horrible and miserable. Well, I love you too, Adam. <laughs> I'm glad I got to inject some more misery in your life in, in the current climate we're living. It's not so much misery on me as the people who read it. I'm just I'm just a messenger saying like, sorry, no, but like, uh, I don't think that Filipino will have 400 points this year. Like, I'm sorry. None of us think D'Angelo will have 40 points, but I don't think that's much of a stretch to say. It's it's not that long of a season, friend. No, yeah, that's an, like, again like setting me up to just oh, like he hates like oh he hates him because he supports Trump, like. like just the numbers were not there for me to give him the over there i'm proud of myself that's all i can really say i let everyone know if you have any questions you can add your own and no one contributed so except for tom so what did we get we got mike's and tom's questions and this is what happens all right whatever have either of you seen schitt's creek i have not no i've heard good things though all right, I had no, I had no greater point there beyond someone. You should watch Shit's Creek. Whoever's listening, you if go. you have not watched Shit's Creek, watch Shit's Creek. This podcast brought to you by whatever our sponsor was in that ad break in Shit's Creek. Yes. As always, uh, we're very appreciative to everyone who listens to the show. Uh, we are especially thankful for all our Patreon supporters. A Six Foot Gap, Am Nahoic, Ian Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Anders Chikagov, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjorn Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris... Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Dezen, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Jamie Bussell, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olson, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landolt, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel-Seinberg, Sean, Steve Bialbeck, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you again, everyone, for your support. Uh, it really thank you, buddies. means a lot. Um, and on one note, I'll end the show this way. I was sort of before this, uh, I was talking to Mike, like, do I want to start the show with this or do I want to end the show with this? And I figured, you know, if I end the show with it, People will listen all the beginning, and if they want to turn off at the end, they can. That's their prerogative. I'm Uh, tuning out right now, Tom. Sure. So anyone who is uh, a fan of the site or a reader of the site knows that uh, over the weekend, I posted a story that got a lot of comments, uh, 1882 as of this writing. and What was that story about, Tom? Yeah, it's about Tony D'Angelo deleting his Twitter account and planning to join Parler. And... I'm not going to get into the semantics of it, but I would say that the one thing that was most surprising to me was, you know, those who didn't understand the approach or they criticized the approach or how things were presented. Um, And like, I don't say any of this to just sort of, you know, um, you know, back things up or whatever, but like, my degree was in journalism. My minor was in political science. A lot of the things that I did in school, you're, you're taught how to tackle something like this. And it was just surprising to me how many people thought that this was overly biased or it was, you know, um, it's just that it seems that as time has gone on, people have forgotten what a news story is. 
and it is newsworthy. Um, he made some statements, and they reflect on the Rangers, who have decided not to publicly talk about it, um, as they have numerous times uh, with D'Angelo, and that's their prerogative. Don't agree with it, but you know that that's how they've chose to handle it. And it's very important to be aware of what's going on in the world. And uh, contrary to popular belief, a lot of people uh, had no idea what Parler was, um, whether it's they don't want to admit that they knew what it was or they generally didn't know what it was. And I saw this as an opportunity to present the facts of what happened, how it relates to D'Angelo, and why it was such a big deal. Um, and if you took issue with that, I really don't know what to say to you. And it's it's just, we can't have our head in the sand. Sports are inherently political. They have been political. They always will be political. And we're at a point in society where we just can't say, okay, I'm using this as a distraction. This is my safe space. Because there are real consequences. And as we learn more things of the events that transpired at the Capitol, it is deeply troubling. And uh, I had a hard time trying to write stories after this happened because um, there is a lot of other, uh, other people who are feeling the same way that you couldn't just turn your brain off. You just couldn't look to something as a distraction because that that's in, can be inherently wrong because there, there are other people in this world who, they're, they're not allowed to find distractions because they're in, in constant threat um, based on, you know, their ethnicity, their, their religion, their socioeconomic background. Um, so I didn't respond to any of the comments because obviously it was uh, just an absolute mess to, to try and navigate. But um, if you read the story and you felt it was biased, then I, I don't know what to tell you. If you read the story and you're not going to be, you know, a reader of the site anymore, I really don't care. Um, but if you legitimately had questions about it, I would have been willing to answer them. But um, it, it was just kind of shocking to me that people thought it was super biased when there was other people who covered this event and did a little more editorializing and uh, yeah, so mm. I it was an elephant in the room that I kind of wanted to address a little bit. And obviously, if you tuned out, then so be it. I do. I will add this. Um, and I think it's important, especially for a site like Boucher Banner, where um, everything you read on Boucher Banner, all you have to do is stomach some ads. It's free. No one there's no co there's no coercion that you have to read an article that might make you be like, ah, I just want to talk hockey. I don't want to. Why is this in my, my hockey talk? You can not interact with that story. Yep. Just a thought. Um, uh, yep. And I, again, I, I made a comment um, in the story. I don't say that to be patronizing because I know it can sound very patronizing, but I, I don't think it occurs to people that it, we have it's. Of course, it's a story. Of course, it's a Rangers-related story. It, we asked, you know, we went out of our way to do our due diligence on that story. And I support Tom's story, of course. I know Adam does too, because, you know, Adam and myself and Steph, we all weighed in on the story. Like, 
I don't know what to tell you folks. If you don't want to read that story, then don't read it. <laughs> it's, yeah. I know that yeah. like it's kind of a, a duh thing, uh, but like you don't have to. Um, yeah. You really don't have to. If you want hockey to be your sanctuary away from all political talk, I think you have to understand that there's going to be at least a little scoop of that political talk in your consumption of anything right now because wake up. That's our yeah. world right now. And it's guess what? Yeah. It's always been our world. We play the national anthem before games because it was something that started during World War II to show this abstract support for troops. Like, I don't know what to tell you, folks. It's always yeah. going to be there. Uh, I would I would also add, I mean, I'd add a few things. I don't want to take up too much time. But I would say, um, you know, number one, when we get the complaint of like, oh, this isn't a hockey topic, like, you know, stick to hockey. Like, no one complains, you know, when it's hockey fights cancer night, right? Like, no one compare. I mean, well, some people or complain. Pride but, nights or... Yeah, I mean, some some people complain about Friday night. But like, you know, at this point in, in time, you know, at least I would say the vast majority are okay with it. Don't complain yeah. about its interjection. They won't into, raise a stink hockey. so much about, yes. yeah, about there, hockey there fights cancer. Some. There are some. I don't want to like be that. naive and, and you know, um, ignorant of issues that you know the lgbt community still faces but we've come a long way right it's not it's not a hot topic to just say this team has a pride night um so when people say that kind of thing right like they're not really saying like oh well we don't want social issues in in hockey what they really mean is this story in particular i don't want in hockey um you know or or at least um you know kind of this doesn't they don't want we don't want contentious issues in hockey is what they're really saying um at, at at best um which i just think is a very just kind of privilege it's a privileged way to think about it but it's also just kind of it's it just it's sad i think and um it, it i i i at some point you kind of reach like the end of an argument where it's just do you care about people and do you care about society like we all have you know we all have our distractions we all have our limits right but when you're when you have zero tolerance for it it's just to me it's just very selfish to just say you can't take a little bit of time and attention out of your day that to dedicate thinking about you know other people who are in worse circumstances than you are who are facing bigger battles than you have to worry about um and they're so bigger it, than it, hockey yeah exactly especially right like we're not we're not saying like oh this is distracting from you know um a food drive or um, you know, something else of importance of, you know, someone's medical care. We're just, you know, it's a few minutes to think about something else besides a bunch of guys hitting pucks on ice. Um, I, I just think, you know, I don't, I don't know where else to go from there when someone just kind of reaches that point and saying, I don't care, you know, like just, I, I would hope, you know, I hope, you know, if that kind of person ever experiences a personal slight in society that, you know, that others would care. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah. that's what I would say about that. And the final thing I'll say, cause I'm carrying on a bit is that, you know, people, you know, the comment about like, oh, like this is, you know, they're streaking out clickbait. You know, first of all, like we, we publish stuff all the time, knowing it's not going to get clicks and knowing that there are certain things we could publish that would get lots of clicks. Like frequently the most, you know, let me explain that the most consumed articles or, you know, posts on our website or a lot of websites like ours are just like what time is the game or like game threads or just kind of summaries yeah where do i like buy that. rangers like, tickets if we yeah, had stories exactly like we could, was... we could 
How to watch at, the New York Rangers, where to buy Rangers tickets. Yeah, Those get like, more traffic than anything. We don't do that. Yeah. And so, you know, like, you know, there have been, you know, articles that I or Tom or Mike, whomever has, you know, has spent a lot of time writing that gets, you know, compared to other articles that, you know, was 20 seconds to slap up and put together. Like that got very few views. And that's not really, that's not why we're doing it. That's not our motivation. And, and there's no one pushing us to get more page views. And if we wanted to get page views, believe me, like if that was the motivation, we would have written a lot more of a fiery article than that. We would have definitely written a headline at least. And we had, we had permission from Steph, our, you know, the, who runs SB nation, the NHL section of SB nation. We could have written something way more inflammatory. Um, and at least the headline, if not the article itself. Um, and I, I think, um, if that article upset you, it's because the facts of it upset you or kind of just the inconvenience of, of that interjecting into hockey. But, nothing tom wrote um and we had multiple people reviewing it um and we went out of our way to not include anything like that any editorializing nothing in that article straight from straight from facts um and so um i don't know what more we could have done to just say here's what happened so if that upset you again i i don't know really what to tell you yeah and the last thing i'll say is like obviously I take no joy in doing shit like that. Like it is, it's yeah. depressing. It's depressing to have to confront, and you know, in the context of this is something that, like, has not happened in the history of our our nation. Like, you had a, a Confederate flag inside the Capitol, something that did not happen during the height of the Civil War. Like, it, it's like. If you if people don't realize the magnitude of that and then all the ancillary things associated with that, um, I don't know what to say. But like like you know everyone has said, um, we will continue to like do our thing. Um, we appreciate those who actually were engaging in good faith in the comments. There there were a number of individuals who were you know presenting you know, relevant viewpoints and mm. doing it respectfully and explaining why it is a big deal to them, why it's, you know, a big, a big deal in, in context. Um, and, uh, yeah, trust me, like, this is not like, we're not looking to go out of our way to, to clickbait, like, because as they've said, there's a lot of stuff that we could do, you know, dumb rumors, you know, Oh, what if they, you know, did this? Um, but, on that note, um, obviously, we do appreciate those who listen yeah. to the show, who read the site. Um, we're excited for the season to get underway. There's a lot of players worth watching. It's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be a quick ride um, before we know it. Uh, Mike, I appreciate you as always. Adam, appreciate you being on. Hey. And uh, everyone enjoy, and we will talk to you again soon. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye, folks.